Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezot Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun and Maseches Babakama. It is an Erev Shabbos Asar B'Teves. You know that if Asar B'Teves would ever fall out on Shabbos, which it doesn't, we would uh, keep it. It's a very, very, very holy special day in the Tzchus of Asar B'Teves in the fast and our learning. May we zochari Yeshuas and refuas for all of Kali Yisrael. So now we're 15 lines down in the Testament base, two dots. We're going to have a, a little extendo shir today. What would be the, this has to do with, uh, where we left off with what happens with the, uh, Pasuk, right? Where somebody, okay, the Pasuk says that if somebody inadvertently, right, hits a pregnant woman, so then that pregnant woman's husband gets the money. And then there's a very, there's a detail in the Pusuk where if that person is dead, meaning the pregnant woman's husband, so then who gets the money? So it's that person's heirs. What if the person has no heirs? Which is to say, what if the person is a gear? We know that a gear doesn't have any Yorshim. So it's from there that we start asking uh, issues involving the properties of Gerim who die without heirs as follows. So, a detail. You grab hold of what? The documents, right? So a lot of times when you make a financial transaction, there's the documents. But in this particular case, you're taking the documents. What is the halacha with respect to what? With respect to whether you actually own the actual paper, that's what Rashi's explaining. The question is, you certainly don't require acquire the rights to the land, as we, the Gemara will explain. But what we're asking now is if you seize the paper of a gear who dies without heirs, do you own the actual paper? What's the question? Ask the Do we say that when you hold on to the paper, you do so with intent to require, acquire the land? Or, in other words, it, since he actually does not acquire the land, he doesn't acquire the paper. And therefore, you don't acquire the document either. The lava daite ashtar, right? Because he didn't intend to acquire the piece of paper. Or maybe he also had intent for the document itself. So the explanation of what we just said is as follows. We know that when you seize the land documents, right, the deed, that you actually do not get the land. That's not how it works, right? You could grab uh, perhaps the metaltalin, but not the land through the deed. So fine. So let's say, so the assumption might be that what, you're, what are you trying to do when you grab the deed? You're trying to grab the land. Okay. Well, you're not grabbing the land. And then the question is, did you have intention, in addition to grabbing the land, to also grab the paper that the deed is written on for the sake of using it as like scrap paper. You know what I mean? So the question is, if you did, so then that actually you can acquire. So the whole question is, what was your intention when you acquired the uh, deed? Do you get to keep that as scrap paper or not? The land, you're not going to keep, but do you keep, get to keep the paper uh, uh, at all? Okay, that's the question. So Amalai, so if Nachman said back to Rav Seva, answer me this, my master. Does you have any use for it? In other words, can you wrap it over a flask? So I'm like, so Rabbi says over that one. Let's over, let's over. Yeah, sure. Why not? So awesome for that. Okay. So if it has any value, so you could keep the paper. 
Okay, next related issue. So it's an interesting thing. You have the mashkon of uh, of a Jew that's for whatever reason is the possession of a ger. And the ger dies. So another, another Jewish person comes and takes the mashkon, right? So again, so Barry <laughs> gives collateral to a ger for, for some loan that he had. And then when that ger died, so now he doesn't own the collateral really. It's Barry's collateral. But Andrew goes and claims it. We go to Andrew and we say, what are you doing? Give us back Barry's collateral. My time, what's the reason? When the convert dies without heirs, right, his shibud is dissolved, right? The, the mashkon automatically reverts back to Barry, who's the original owner of it. So mashkona shall ger be Yisrael. The contrast would be if, if the ger had a collateral in Barry's, Possession Umesa Ger, and then the Ger died. right? And then Andrew came to get the collateral that really belonged to the Ger, and got it from Barry. So there, Barry, who held the collateral originally, acquired that corresponding to the funds that he had lent the convert. But if the security was worth more than that, then Andrew who seized it ends up acquiring the remainder of the value. And the question is, maybe uh, the, there should be a Kenyan Chatzar where he's acquiring, where Barry, just by virtue of having the mashkon in his possession, is automatically Kona the mashkon. And this would work, according to Rabbi Yossi Bar even without Barry having to have intent for it. In other words, right? Barry is holding onto the collateral, right? So what we just said is Barry has a collateral that a non-Jew gave to him. And then when a non-Jew dies without, uh, airless, as they say, so Andrew can go get it. Well, wait a minute. Barry is holding onto it physically and it's in his chutzner. And he doesn't even have to have any conscious intent to acquire it in order for it to be conus. So then maybe you would say, that Barry is Konit, and therefore it would be like Andrew taking it away from Barry, which he cannot do. The Gemara says, no, Amri, Hachav, Maiskin, and Delese. No, what we're talking about is when Barry's out of town, as he is today. And therefore, call Hechadisaladidei, and therefore, even though, and he, so therefore, if he were present, if he wanted to acquire it, then he would be able to, cut, uh, to acquire it. However, Konit, Nami, Chatzero, and only in those cases where Barry's Chatzar, an actual ownership and possession of the said collateral, would actually acquire it for him. However, when Barry's in Scranton, so that if he wanted to acquire it, he would not be able to acquire it with his own action. He would have to like, get some sort of shliach, and therefore, in that scenario, his chatzar would also not be kona, and therefore, the hilchasa, the retraction that the Gemara concludes with is the lesebechatzero, when the Collateral is not in Barry's courtyard at the time of the, the uh, death of the Ger, the Lokana. He can't, in that case, he can't acquire it by means of his Chatzar, right? However, if it is in his courtyard, he would be conned automatically, even in his absence, and therefore, if Andrew, you seize said collateral, you'd have to return it to Barry. Very good. So now, we're at, we're going to be uh, discussing a uh, single topic over here on the mission on the bottom of Memtesim Beis as follows. Fascinating idea. Digging a pit in a Rishos versus a Rishos We already started discussing it. In this particular case, 
we're going to see, there's going to be some discussion as to exactly what the case is, but it sounds like if you dig a bore in, Andrew digs a bore in his backyard, and he opens it up where people can access it from the Rishos Rabim or Rishos Rabim Fatsul Rishos Yachid, or he opens up in the Rishos Rabim and the opening is in the Rishos, in, in his backyard. Uh, however, this would only work if Andrew then, uh, as, as Rashi points out, opens it up opens up said Rishush HaRabim to the public, uh, Rishush to the public. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is both in the first and in the second case, you're starting to dig either Rishush or Rishush HaRabim, but the point is, the bore is going to end up being accessible to the public, right, because you're going to be high of Andrew for this bore digging. So it's, as long as it's accessible to the public, you'll be high of. Additionally, says the Mishnah, Barry, uh, this is in the old days, Andrew. Remember the days of Shabbos and Ervin, where you and Barry used to live next to each other, never joining adjacent chatzers. So you actually opened up uh, a pit in your backyard that opened up as well in Barry's backyard. Chayev. In all of these cases, you're going to pay, meaning you're going to be reliable for anything that happens in damage in that pit. So to that, the Gemara says, Tanurabanan. And, and, and now the Gemara is going to analyze exactly what these cases are. It's hard, hard to tell from the Mishnah exactly what the case is. So it says the Gemara, Tanurabanan. So there's a Brisa that says exactly like our Mishnah. Rabbi Shmuel says, that's the bar that's referred to in the Torah. The bar that's referred to in the Torah, yeah. Shmos. Parakhaf Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Gimel says, V'chiftach ish bar, Andrew, you're going to be the, the pit opener here. You open up a pit, Ochi ichre ish bar, okay, so, Iftach and ichre, right, one of, them, one of them means that you, what, you had a covered bar and you uncovered it, took the manhole cover off, the other one is you dug it yourself, so, V'loyechasenu, right, so opening it up and not covering it, V'nafal shamashor chabar, that's the case, right? Where it's the Nazikin of Bor, which we're going to get into. Can't talk about Bor without talking about Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shmuel, or Rav and Shmuel, and that's going to be what we discuss right now. So, Rabbi Shmuel says, Zehu Bor HaOmer B'Torah, that the Bor to which the Torah is referring to is, is digging a Bor in Shusayachid and opening it up for the Rishusah Rabbi. Okay, Rabbi Kiva Omer, in contrast, Hifki Rishuso. What does that mean? It means that if you dig a bore in your own backyard, Andrew, and you say, you know what? I am, uh, I don't longer own the land around this bore. I am making that a public park. But he has to retain ownership of the actual pit. He says, listen, this pit is my pit. For whatever reason, you need your bore. However, the land around it, it I'm, I'm relinquishing to the public, right? It, it formerly was my backyard. Now I'm relinquishing it to the public. So again, the sequence is, you dig it while it's in your backyard, and then you relinquish everything around the bore to the public. Zehu That's the bore that the Torah is talking about. It says you dig a bore. How is that? So it's unclear exactly what they're saying. Rabbi Shmuel thinks that you're only chayiv when you dig in Erishas HaRabim. 
Rabbi Kiva thinks, Andrew, that you're only chayiv when you dig in the Rishis Hayachid and then relinquish it. And they think that that's what the Torah means when it says, when you dig a bore. So the Gemara is going to analyze how they arrived at this conclusion. I'm a rabba. Rabba is going to have his explanation as follows. Rabba says, Everyone's going to agree, and really up until now we've been talking about, uh, as if we hold like Rabba, that everyone agrees that if you go into Rishis Rabbim, you have no right, right, to create a pit in the middle of a, of a public thoroughfare. And of course, even Rabbi Kiva in that context would say that you're chayev to pay for whatever nezek you do in a bor, Rishis Rabbim. My time, what will be the reason? Amar kra ki yiftach we learn it from the structure of the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, if a person uncovers a pit, right, okay, so that is referring to a person uh, where the pit was already previously dug, and then it was covered, and then you uncover it. So that, you're a chayev. And then it adds, v'chiyichre, right? So v'chiyichre means that you're digging it. Wait, wait a minute. Ima psicha chayev, says the Gemara, in other words, there must be a lesson here. Because if you're going to be chayev, Andrew, for... Um, taking a pit that was previously dug by someone else and then covered and then uncovering it. So you see something very interesting. You didn't dig the pit. It's not your pit. What did you do? All you did was take the manhole cover off. Well, guess what? That action created a danger for people and you are treated as if you own the pit. Right, we said it's one of the things that people are treated as if they own, even if they don't own it, like chametz, um, uh, as right after the sixth hour. So, uh, so im al al kriya So certainly, if you're a chayev for removing the manhole cover, you're certainly chayev for digging it in the first place, because then it's really the pit that you created. Ella shall iskei psicha val iskei kriya v'allo. So when the Torah is telling you. It must be telling you something more than just your chai for uncovering it and then also chai for digging it. It must be teaching you an additional lesson. What's the additional lesson? That, right, that in the uncovering, right, that when it comes to uncovering, that is what gives you the chiv. It is not an ownership that creates the chiv, right? It is the creation of the dangerous Fall uh, the danger of the danger that gives you the chiv. So there's a lambdas here, right? In other words, it isolates the chiv into by by being redundant. It's, it is pointing you in the direction of what the chiv is. What's the chiv, Andrew? You created a dangerous thing in Erishus Harabim. If that's what the Torah is saying, then that would be irrespective of whether you own the pit. That's what the Torah is leading you towards that understanding, according to Rabbah. Okay, so there, there's no machlokas of Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. And again, the words of Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Kiva are a little ambiguous. So what do they mean? Lo nechleku ela, as we find the Rav Adafnun, bebor bershuso. The machlokas between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Kiva is not in Rosh Hashanah, according to Rabba. In Rosh Hashanah, everybody agree. You took that public thoroughfare and you created a danger. You should be ashamed of yourself and you're going to be responsible for anything that happened. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Kiva would both agree to that. However, what they're arguing about, if you dug a pit in your own backyard, so there's nothing wrong, you're allowed to do that. Where Rabbi Kiva savar bor b'shuso nami chayev. Rabbi Kiva holds that even there, you're going to be chayev. Now, of course, you're only going to be chayev when you create it into a public park afterwards. In other words, you're going to have to renounce your ownership, but still, you're going to be chayev. Dechsev ba'al habor. Wow. That what? It says ba'al habor. 
right? When you look at the Pasuk, it says, Baal habor yeshalem, kesef yeshiv levalov, that's what it says, Shmos Chaf Aleph Lamedalid. That the Balabor Yeshalem. Well, guess what, Andrew? Anytime you actually pay, anytime rather, you actually dig a pit in Rishis Arabim, anything that you do in Rishis Arabim is not really going to be yours, right? That's a public area. So that's not yours. You don't own that. Oh. So we keep us saying that because it says Baal Habor, that it means. That it must mean that it's talking about Rishis Yachid, because that's the only scenario where there is a Balabar. You only own it, right? You can only own it if indeed uh, it's in your backyard. Oh, so since Balabar implies that you would be Chayiv, right? Balabar Yishalem teaches you two things by definition that you own the bar and that you pay. Oh, so that means the only way uh, that that works, according to Rabbi Kiva, is if you're also Chayiv if you own the bar. As the Gemara continues to explain, right? Because it means that it's a boar that has ownership, which is to say, a boar in a rishus ha yachid. has to explain why, what it means by baal abor. So Rabbi Kiva thinks it's an expression of ownership, and therefore it would uh, refer to something that starts off in rishus ha yachid. Whereas Rabbi Shmuel says it doesn't really mean an expression of ownership. It means the person who's responsible for this thing in Rosh Rabin, right? The person who actually takes responsibility for the fact that they opened up, right, this pit. But it doesn't mean the person who's literally the owner of the bor. That's not what balabor means. Okay, well, it, what that would mean, therefore, is that Rekiv is going to say that you're chayev, whether you dig a bor in a Rosh Hashanah or a Rosh Hashanah and according to Rabbi Shmuel, you're only chayev when you dig it in a rishus ha-rabim. Okay, that's very simple. Rabba is how we always understood it. Just, uh, if that's the case, the Gemara wants to know, we just said that they had a machlokas once, that, that, and both of them thought that this was the bor that was referred to um, by, by the Torah. So what is this? That according to Rabbi Kiva, Yuchayev and Rishus Rabim and Rishus Yachid. So there isn't really a case where you're not Chayev. So what does it mean? This is the bar that he's referring to. They're all, they're all Chayev, says the Gemara. Zehu bar shepasach bar, kos of tchila tashlumim. That means that's the bar which the Torah began in reference to teaching you that there's tashlumim. But really, you're Chayev both in Rishus Rabim and Rishus Yachid, according to Rabbi Kiva. Now we know why he said Zehu bar. That's fine. And now we know uh, why it says Bala bar. Um, that Yerchai is even Rishis HaYachid according to Rabbi Kiva. That is the Machlokas in our Mishnah according to Rabbah. However, Rabbi Yosef disagrees. Rabbi Yosef has a wild uh, shita that we, you would not necessarily expect as follows. Rabbi Yosef, Amar, Bebor Rishis HaYachid, Kulei Amalo Pligidim Mechaev. Everyone is going to agree that Yerchaev where? In your own Rishis. Whoa, why, Andrew? My taima, Balabor Amar This Pasuk of Balabor is so serious that it has to be, according to Rabbi Yosef, saying that the, the one case that everyone agrees is that Abor Bishus Ha Yachid is going to be Chayev. Wow. The Bor de Isli Balamaskin, because when it says Balabor, it means a, a Bor where you have ownership. Kipligi, Bibor Bishus Rabim. Where is the Machlok of Shiva of Kiva? Whether you'd be Chayev or Shus Rabim. Rabbi Shemal, Savar Bor Bishus Rabim, Nami Chayev. Rabbi Shemal is going to hold that even though the Pasuk says Baal Habor, which sounds like you need to have some ownership of it, like actual physical real estate ownership of the area, you're still going to be chayev, where dechsev ki yiftach v'chiyichra, because that, according to Rishon, you learn ki yiftach v'chiyichra, which sounds like it's referring to a rishus harabim. 
right? Because as we just said, because after all, if you're going to be high for removing the manhole cover, cover, are you not all the more so going to be high for digging the actual pit? As we just said before, in other words, Rabbi Shemal is going to learn out the Pasuk to teach you that whenever you have created the bore, it's not a matter of owning it, but rather it's a matter of creating the obstacle, uh, as it were, and therefore it would apply both in Rishus Yachid and Rishus Rabim. But certainly Rabbi Shemal is going to hold that Balabor, if you own the actual real estate, you're going to be Chayev. Whereas Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, Hanu Mitzrach Tzrichi, that the reason why you have Vechiyiftach Vechiyichra is not to teach you that it's Chayev even in Rishus Rabim, but rather because you need the Pasuk for something else. If the Pasuk, if the Torah had only said that you're Chayev for opening the bore, have a mina Paseach you might have thought that it's just for one who uncovers the existing bar and that covering it again is sufficient in order to not have a chiv, right? In other words, uh, in other words, once you cover it again, maybe you don't have a chiv. Whereas if you actually are the one that dug the bar, then covering it is not sufficient until you actually fill it up back with dirt, right? And if the Pasuk had only said, uh, right, that he can... Dig it, that only once you dig the pit, then you have to cover it, right? Because you actually are the one that did the actual digging, right? Because again, in the early stages of understanding what bore means, we think that the chiv might have to do something with the maisa of digging the pit. You know, we're only now analyzing what the actual chiv is, right? So, aval poseach the love and maisa boy. But maybe if all you did was remove a manhole cover and didn't do the actual digging, maybe in that case you would say that you don't even need to cover it. Kamash Milan, the pasuk has to tell you, right? Kiyiftach, kiyichra, that any case you're always going to be chayev, and therefore what? Therefore, both of those words are necessary to teach you that you're chayv in either case, whether you uncover or dig a pit. And once you need both aspects of the psukim, so now within Rabbi Yosef, right, what he means is, when he says this Baal uh, Habor, is that you're only chayv in Erishos HaYachid. Wow. Okay. So if that's the case, we just want to know, so what does he mean, Rabbi Shemal, who says that that's the paradigm of Bor, the Torah? says, the That's the Bor that the Torah begins with respect to Nezikin. Uh, hold on a second. All right. So now, Rabbi Yosef is going to be challenged, right? Because again, Rabbi Yosef is saying that everybody agrees in Rishos HaYachid that you're going to be high of Andrew. And, and the Machloka says, are you going to be chayv on Rishos Rabim as well? Says the Gemara, Beis vei hachof b'bor b'rishos Rabim, ufoskol b'rishos yachid, potter, v'afal pishen v'rashir l'hasos kain. If a person uh, digs a bor in Rishos Rabim and he opens it to Rishos yachid, he's going to be potter, right, for any damage that happened because the opening to this bor is in a private domain. So, right, this is all going to be challenges because, after all, we are very conditioned to understand Rabbah's understanding of this, which is that a bore is chayv for sure in a Rishus HaRabim. But here we see, right, so, so and, and in Rishus HaYachid, maybe not. So here we see that your potter, if you're opening it in Rishus HaYachid, happens to be, you're not allowed to do it because, for a detail, what's the detail? If yeah, there's an iser to create like a little cavity underneath a rishasarabim, maybe weakens the street and all that. But that's like a detail, right? That's, don't let that confuse you. That just, uh, with, it's not really the, within the halachas of bar. 
the, the point of this first part of the b'risa is that you are pater for uh, if the entrance is in Rishos HaYachid. And then the b'risa continues, If you are digging pits, ditches, vaults in your Rishos Rabim, and it's open to the Rishos HaRabim, Chayev, right? So in Rishos HaRabim, you certainly be Chayev. And third case, you're opening pits in your Rishos HaYachid Right next to the Rishos Rabbim, Kigon Elo Chofrim Leushin, just like when people are actually building a retaining wall or foundations for houses abutting a public thoroughfare. So what happens? Right next to the public thoroughfare, you're making big ditches to put in the what they call the Klunsaot in in Israel, right? To put in the uh, whatever supporting beams, um, and therefore putter, right? So you're going to be in that case, you're going to be putter. So now we're going to analyze this price at great length. So there, which is really, we'll say, Arba Amos. Rabbi Yosef Behuda says that the, that's an interesting case, right? So, Andrew, you're building, a, you're building a new structure. You're building a school or you're building your house and you're doing your Baniyah right up against the Rishush HaRabim, right? Your apartment in Manhattan, you're building right up against the Rishush HaRabim. Now, when you do so, you are doing it up until the edge of your property line. And so what you have is a massive ditch at the edge of the property line. But don't forget, it's your property, right? You, nobody's allowed to walk there. Well, that's the Machlokas, right? The, uh, the first idea would be that it's, you're going to be Chayev, Right, because you're, it's right up against the Rosh uh, Hashanah Um or you got, rather it's going to be putter because it's in your Rosh Whereas Rabbi Yehuda is being very pragmatic. He's saying, well, if it's right up against Rosh Hashanah people are going to fall into it like a cliff. So you better put up what either mechitza or keep the actual digging four amos away, so that there's enough of an area for people to, for enough of an area for people to actually be uh, safe. So we're going to develop how this is a challenge to Rabbi Yosef's interpretation um, right after davening Bezat Hashem. Okay, so the, the, the basic development of the kasha is like this. Rabbah says that everybody holds, both Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shemal are going to hold for sure that a boar is chayiv in Rabim. And the machlokas is, is a boar also going to be chayiv in Yachid? And Rabbi Yosef says the opposite, something that we're not that used to, that everyone agrees that a Boris Chayv and Rishos HaYachid. But not, everybody's, no, not everybody recognizes that a Boris Chayv and Rishos Rabim. That's the Machal Kizri Rikiva Rishmal. So now this three-clause Brisa is supposed to be a challenge to Rabbi Yosef, because in three-clause Brisa, uh, the Rishos says that, that Rishos HaYachid is Pater, and the Seifa says Rishos HaYachid is Chayv, and if it's true what Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said, that Rishus HaYachid, everybody agrees, is, is Chayev, so then why is the Rishus saying that the Rishus HaYachid is Pater? That's, that's the real question. So the Gemara is going to develop the question as follows. It's time of the Le'ushin. In the final part of the Brisa, the Brisa is saying that the reason why, Andrew, you're going to be Pater for, for digging the foundations of your new place is because it's digging foundations. And that's why you're potter, because you're allowed to do that. But if you would not be digging foundations, then you would be chayv to pay for damage that that excavation would cause, even though it's in your Rishos because of the fact that it's right against a Rishos HaRabim. So 
It's interesting, right? I mean, that's not intuitive, but the point is, it sounds like you're going to be high for high yachid. Ha money, who's uh, opinion is going to be reflected. So Bishlei Malarabah Reisha Rishvah Sefer Bikiva. So again, we go back to the point, which is according to Rabbah, everyone agrees that you're going to be chayiv in Rishus Rabim, and the Machlok is going to be in Rishus Yochid. Well, our Brisa sounds like the Reisha would be like Rabbi Yishmael, right? Who's going to say that you're potter in Rishus Hayochid? The Sefer Rabbi Kiva and the Sefer is going to be Rabbi Kiva says that you're chayiv in Rishus Hayochid. Elul Rabbi Yosef. But if you hold like Rabbi Yosef, that everybody's going to agree that you're chayiv in Rishus I understand the Seifa that sounds like Yechayev and Rishasa Yechid because everybody would agree Yechayev and Rishasa Yechid how do you reconcile the Brisa which seems to imply that your Pater and Rishasa Yechid with Rav Yosef Lower Rav Yishmael Lower Rav Kiva because after all it's not going to be consistent with the opinion of Rav Yishmael or with the opinion of Rav Kiva because after all in Rishasa Yechid right you're not supposed to be Right, you're not supposed to be potter according, at all, according to Rabbi Kiva, and neither according to Rabbi Shmuel, right, according to, uh, right, uh, in, in that, in that case. So, the first case where your potter, Shasa Yachid, seems inconsistent with the sheet, the pshat of Rabbi Yosef, um, in our Mishnah. So, Amalach Rabbi Yosef, so how would Rabbi Yosef answer this? It's Kula Divya Kolhi. No, the whole Brisa is actually going to be consistent with all the Tanaim. Bereshi Shalom Hifkir, Lo Rishusa, Velo Boro. Huh. So it's going to be a case where everyone holds that the bar owner is not chayev. In other words, why are you putter in Rishus Yachid in the first case of the Brisa? Because it's talking about that you weren't mafkir. Don't forget, Andrew. It's an unusual situation where we said that you're going to be chayev in the first place. Obviously, everybody would agree that if you're just digging in your own backyard and you're not doing any kind of public uh, offering for anyone to, to join in the party, so then of course you're going to be potter for anybody who comes in. They're trespassing. What are they doing there? You're allowed to dig ditches. That's allowed. It's your stuff. It's your backyard. It's your property. Do whatever you want. And therefore, there's not a soul that will tell you that you're going to be chayev for somebody who trespasses and comes in. It's only in a case where you're going to actually turn it into a public playground where now you take on a responsibility for the bore. Well, the way Rabbi Yosef would get out of it and saying that your putter in the first clause of the Bryce is by simply saying that it meant that you were digging in the privacy of your own backyard and you never were mafkarit, not your rishus, not your boar. You didn't give up any of that uh, backyard to anybody. And then therefore, if somebody were to fall into it, you would say, what are you doing in my backyard? Why are you trespassing? And it is for that reason that you're going to be putter. However, at the, in the later, uh, the continuation of the Brysa, is going to say that when uh, public is given permission by you to walk alongside, then you're going to be chayiv. And that's simply how Rabbi Yosef understands the b'risa. So Rabbi Yosef is not so intimidated by the b'risa. He says the first case is when you don't allow the public to come in and therefore you're potter. And the second case is when you do allow them and therefore you are chayiv. So now that's how Rabbi Yosef would understand it. But now let's go back to Rabbah. I'm Ravashi. Hashadu kimna Rabbi Yosef Now that we have Rabbi Yosef Consistent with everybody, with all the Tanaim, the Rabbah, Namila took him into Kitanai. You know, it's not fair to Rabbah to leave him hanging subject to a Machlokas Tanaim, right? We would love to be able to have the Brisa that's consistent with Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. So, Midrash Rabbi Shmuel, Seifanami Rabbi Shmuel. Maybe you could say that since the Rasha is going to be Rabbi Shmuel, maybe 
right, who says that you're potter, maybe the safe is also going to be Rabbi Shmuel. But time of the Lushin, and going back to what we were saying before, that the reason why you're going to be potter in the second place, uh, in the, in the second clause is because you are putting down the foundations. I love Lushin Chayv. But if you would not be digging foundations, you'd be chayev. And the explanation is, it must be dealing with a case where you widen the excavation a little bit more, like they sometimes do. Uh, I saw that a lot of this in Ramat Chavish, right? When you're doing the, uh, the chatzib or whatever, you're excavating and renovating a little bit beyond the edge of your own property into the Rishos Rabim. Well, once that's actually in the Rishos Rabim. Where you dig in the front of the, uh, of the apartment building. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. I don't want to get into this, Andrew, but I, um, there was a guy who came to my house and he was crying. He was destitute and we set him up nicely. Um, he was, he ended up doing trips to America. He, he got, he got a, a lot of, uh, he ended up being really good at fundraising for himself. That ended up being a real skill that he had and he got hooked up with people in Brazil. I mean, he, the guy did nicely and then he invited me to Suda Soda that he made when, for getting out of the hole, which is a nice thing. And I go to the Suda Sada and his apartment, which was like on the ground floor of an apartment building, was now like three quarters of the way into the street. <laughs> he had used the money to make a major, major beautiful renovation, like uh, unbelievable. Okay, May, I was like, what am I doing here? It was a real, uh, real mind trip. Mace okay. But it sounds like you've heard of this before. Okay. Mace Somebody digs a pit in his backyard and opens it to the Shusarabim. There's going to be a child for Yosef. Chayev. He's going to be Chayev to pay. So again, if you do what we just described and you're opening it all the way to the Shusarabim, as Rashi explains, you're turning it into Shusarabim, so then you're Chayev, right? Because it's in Shusarabim. However, if you're just adjacent to the Shusarabim and you keep within the boundaries of your own property, you're Potter. So this Bishlam of the Rabbah, this is going to work according to Rabbah because he holds that Rishmael is going to say that he's chayv only Rishas Rabbim, but not in a Rishas Yachid. And, and therefore, Kula Rabbi Shmalhi, according to Rabbah. El Rabbi Yosef, according to Rabbi Yosef, who says that Rabbi Shmal is going to, that, that, that Rabbi Akiva only says that you're chayv in a Rishus Ha, right? He has like the extreme sheet that Rabbi Akiva says you're only chayv in Rishus HaYachid, Bishleim Reisha Rabbi Yishmael. I can understand the ratio is going to be Rabbi Yishmael. El Seifa Mani, but in the Seifa, where you're going to say that uh, up that in your own Rishus HaYachid that you turned into Rishus HaRabim, but it's adjacent to the Rishus HaRabim, right? So in your own Rishus HaYachid that you were able to give other people access to, whose opinion is that? Low Rabbi Shmuel, low, low Rabbi Shmuel, low Rabbi Akiva, right? Because that's not Rabbi Shmuel or Rabbi Akiva, because you're Rishus HaYachid. And therefore, Amalach of Yosef would have to tell you, Bechofer Lushin V'Divar Akol. It has to be a case where you're digging foundations. So again, when we're digging foundations, we do indeed exempt you from liability because people see the foundations are supposed to understand that this is construction going on here. It's not just like a random thing, fall that you're gonna, a hole that you're going to fall into. Okay. So now, 14 lines up from the bottom, we have the two dots. And we're going to talk about digging in Rosh Hashanah So you dig a pit, you uncover and uncover it, okay, or leave it uncovered as it were. And you give it for public use. Now, in this case, Masal Rabim, Rashi explains, uh, four lines up from the wide, Amit Kansim Sham, 
This is a this is a Musar Larabim is the key here. What did you do? You made an announcement. This isn't the regular Bor Bishus Rabbim, Andrew. This is a bar that you're doing it for the for the greater good. And you're going to allow it to be a cistern because the community needs it. Okay? So you're filling a community need, okay, by allowing it to be a cistern for water. In that case, putter. In that case, you're going to be putter from any damage that you do. Okay? Now, okay, there's a little halachic area about whether, uh, about the parameters, right? It, you can't just take matters into your own hands. You have to, you have to work with the municipality, right? Does the public need it? Are you digging in the right place? Not in the middle of the highway, right? Okay. But assuming that everything's worked out and you've donated a cistern to the public and now you're digging it in the Rosh Hashanah you're going to be putter. That's not the kind of bore that we're talking about where you have this culpability, okay? In contrast, Chafar Pasach Rabim, right? So the Baitsa says if you just dig it and you didn't give it over to the public, then you're Chayev, right? Because that's just a regular Bor Rosh Hashanah this was the practice of Nechunya, who dug pits, ditches, and vaults. This was his community service. He was the guy that used to dig um, these pits and give them over to the public. You know, everyone has their own public service that they like to do. This was his thing. When the Chachamim heard that Nechunya, right, Chofer Boros did this, they actually said, this is a great idea. This is an application of the, the perfect manifestation of this halacha of being allowed to dig these cisterns. So now the Gemara says, halacha zu v'su lo? Wait, wait a minute. The kiyem halacha zu. This is the only halacha that Nechunya ever said? Like, why did they say that he was only, at least he was mekayim this mitzvah? He was mekayim any other mitzvah? This is the only mitzvah he did? No. Eleim af halacha zu. That not only did he do, he was a mitzvah boy altogether in general, but specifically this mitzvah was something that they attributed to him and they praised him for it. So now, a related brisa, an unbelievable musr. This brisa is quoted in Masil Sisharim in the fourth pa- cha- chapter. Taner Bonin, Maisim Bito Shel Nechunya Chofer Shichin. Not not the whole brisa, but we get the backstory. It's that the the punchline is in Masil Sisharim, but the story is amazing. The daughter of Nechunya Chofer Shichin, it's Tzadik, who used to build cisterns for people. Shenafal Labor Gadol, she did indeed once fall into a great pit filled with water, and now everybody's stressed out. Is she alive? Is she, how's she doing in there? So they went to the, Reb, uh, to the Rav of the Shul, and they said, you're not going to believe this. Nechunya, the cistern digger, his daughter fell into a ditch, of all things. So they're waiting. They don't know. You have to daven for her rescue now. Is she going to make it? So the so the Rav says, "Don't worry, Shalom, it's going to be fine." Shalom, Shniyah, Shalom. He said, "Peace, chill, right? Relax, it's going to be fine." Shlisha Samarle Alta. By the third hour, he said, "Yeah, she came up from the water, and it's fine." Wow, Chanina was right; she did make it. She fell into a water cistern, and she survived. Armulah Mihelach. They said to her, "Who? How'd you get up?" Armulahem Zochel Shilachelim Nizdamin Mi Vizaken Echad Manhigo. I don't know. I saw a male, uh, uh, like a like a ram come up and a certain elderly man was guiding it. Wow. So that's pretty amazing. Rashi. Zohar Shalachelim, third line is up from the bottom. Elo Shel Yitzchak, Zaken Manigo Avram. It's Isaac's ram. Isaac's ram was there and Avram Avinu took me out. 
Wow. Armelo, how, how did we know that there was going to happen? Armelo, Naviata, they went back to the rabbi, and now the rabbi seems like he's one of these Mikubalim that made a miracle happen. Uh, a prophet. Are you a prophet? Not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. I say the following. Something that the tzaddik was mitzdarba, which is to say, right? Nechunya, who used to dig these ditches for the sake of the greater good. And he was mitzdarba in the sense that he was most nefesh to do so. Okay? And, and he gave of himself. And he went out of his comfort zone. That will always be the place of his Yeshua. I can't resist saying we met people in Sterot. And we met a, a rabbi there when we were on the OU mission. And he was saying how... He and his wife, he was shot actually about five times, uh, and he had holes all over his body, but he miraculously recovered by t- like a couple of weeks later, he was fine. And he was in the shul that he volunteered in, he was the rub of the shul, uh, uh, getting, wake, uh, opening up at 4.30 every morning. His wife was in the mikvah lady. At the time of the attack, his wife was in the mikvah, um, taking care of things. He was in the shul taking care of things. And even though they were surrounded by terrorists and, uh, from all sides and people around them, Ahmad Salan did not make it, he, they made it. And he said, I want you to understand this lesson. He didn't quote this Gemara, but he said, the place of our mysterious nefesh was where we were and that's where we were saved. Okay? So, that's what... The boys returned to the yeshivas. Yeah, that's right. The boys returned to the yeshiva uh, in, in, uh, in Stero. Okay. And they had Simcha story, so that they made a Simcha story. So this is a big life lesson. The place where you have a mysterious nefesh, that's the place of your Yeshua. You know, it wasn't like a perfect life. His son happened to have once died of thirst, which seems mean. This is the Pasuk that's quoted in Mesir Sharm. Nisara is kichut hasara. It really means turbulent. It's a tehillim. The sviva of those who surround him. In other words, the tzaddikim do have an extent of chutasara. Rabbi Nechunya Amar Mehacha, Nechunya says, from here you can learn El Naratz Besod Kedoshim Rabba Vendora Kol Svivav. Right? This again, this is a pasuk in Tehillim where Hashem does. Um, it's dreaded counsel is, is awesome for um, all of who are around him. It's interesting, just coincidental, sort of Nechunya, and this is the story of Nechunya Chofer, two different Nechunyas. And this is quoted in Mesut Sharm. Anyone who says that Hashem is disregarding his sin and casual, chayav, his, his life will be disregarded. Right? Hashem is perfect. Every, all of his paths are justice. So what do we learn from all of this? Right? As follows. Meaning, nobody should think that Hashem is being casual. This is Latov Ulera. This is exactly the point of Messiah Sasharim. He says, don't think that every little thing that you do doesn't matter. It matters even for a little tiny uh, Avera or bad uh, thought and intention that you have. It's all accounted for. When it says it means but precisely and the converse is also true. Any little good thing that you do, if you add a little extra, you get the schar all back. It's all completely, completely accounted for. A a, a um, intense lesson indeed from the Sister Sharm. Okay, Amar What is the meaning what it says we turn to Nun Bay's What does it mean Erchapaim? Why what is why Veloksiv Erch Af? 
Hashem has one nose. So what is it that he's, uh, he extends his, right, his attitude and, and waits with two noses. He only has one kova yachol, right? It means Hashem is slow in showing a jubilant face to the tzaddikim, which is to say he delays their reward a little bit more until Olam Abba. He delays their punishment until Olam Abba. That's what Rashi explains over here. Right? But Erech is this two aspects to it, the negative and the positive. Okay, so now two dots, two lines down. Uh, so this is again a little bit more of like thinking about other people. A person shouldn't clear stones from his own backyard into the Rosh Hashanah. Can you do it? Can you not do it? Well, it doesn't say that it's us or just says don't do it. Uh, there was a guy, he wasn't concerned, right? He didn't have the self-awareness and the sensitivity to others to think that this was a big deal and to just end up like throwing rocks into Rosh Hashanah. Right. In other words, not to hit people like we were saying earlier in Bavakama, but simply to make create an obstacle, right, and rocks and make it inconvenient and and um, and create an obstacle in the Rishus Rabim. Okay. So much a chassid echad, a big tzad that comes by. And our below reka, you empty person. He said an ironic thing. He said, "Why are you moving rocks from something that's not yours to something that is yours, your Rishus?" So this obviously was, seemed counterintuitive, right? He was taking it, the guy was throwing stones um, from his own backyard with no self-awareness or consideration for other people, throwing stones from his backyard and just throwing large boulders into Shisharabim that became an inconvenient annoyance for everybody. And, and the chazan is telling him that he's throwing it from a place that's not his to a place that is his. What was he telling him? We'll say it outside first. He was explaining to him, this is eventually, you know, what you own in Olam Hazeh is temporary. That's not really yours. But... You inconveniencing others and like taking advantage of other people, that is actually what you do take with you, right? That is yours. You own that, okay? Yeah, exactly. There's just a rap. So he says like this, right? Exactly. Lig leg love. So obviously this empty person did not understand. He thought, he took it literally and he thought that this guy was confused and he made fun of the chassid. As fate would have it, time passed and he ended up having to sell the house. And so, as it turned out, he was walking in the, the same Rishos Rabim, but And sure enough, he tripped over the very stones that he had previously thrown and became a victim of his own callousness and inconsideration. Amar, and at that point, he says, at least he understood. He got the Musa, which is nice. You know what? That Sadiq told me something. That pious person did tell me a good Muslim. He was accurate. He said, why are you clearing from something that's not yours, which is no longer my house even, into a place that is yours, into a place that eventually everybody else has to own. So he owns the Rishasarabim, right? We have to be considerate with how we behave in public, right? And how we treat people in public. That is a, uh, we have to own that. Beautiful Muslim over here. Okay, so now the mission on the number base. Achoi this is back to hardcore Bavakama, right? What is, this is like, we're going to get into Rav Shmuel. This is real bore here. The shore falls into the bore, okay? Chayev. So the Baal HaBor is going to be Chayev to pay for the damages. You know, it doesn't have to be an actual pit. It could be a ditch, a vault, a squared off pit, wedge-like pit, Chayev. 
right? As long as it's depression of at least, as we'll see, ten tefachim, you're gonna be chayiv. Im kein laman emar bar. So why does it specifically say pit? Ma bar sheish bo kadei lahamis asar tefachim afkol sheish bo kadei lahamis asar tefachim. Has to do with the depth. Just like a bar can kill, you can die in there if you fall ten tefachim. So too, anything that's ten tefachim deep, you're going to be chayiv bar. Chayiv chusin masar tefachim. However, if for whatever reason it was like six tefachim, whatever, less than ten tefachim. And, but you dug it. So if the animal falls in there and dies, potter, you're not chayev. The person who digs that pit is not going to be chayev because it's not really deep enough to kill somebody. But you would be chayev for an injury because it is, in fact, culpable for digging it deep enough that somebody can get injured there. So again, you're chayev for injury, but not for death in the shallow bore. Now, the Gemara has the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Amarav. Bar Shechiv Alavtar Lehevlo Lelechavata. Wow, unbelievable. Why are you high for the bore? Clearly not for the, the, the ground, but for the airspace that is actually going to cause the, the foul air is going to cause the hezek. Why, why does Rav have to come onto this? Right? So the, because, right? After all, Al-Makasavar, as Gemara says, Chavata Karka Olam Hu Damaskale. Because if you're going to say, that it's the depth of the bore and it's the impact where you are as the bala bore. And here's the point. <laughs> We're talking about Niske Mamon. At what point are you causing the hezek? At the point of impact? Well, at the impact, the karka oilam, the, the, the ground doesn't belong to anybody. Karka olamu damaskale, right? So, as Rashi says, ve'eno shalo. That's not your, that's not yours. So you say, wait a minute, what do you mean? Okay, but you don't have to own it. It's a borbishas arabi. We treat it as if it is yours. Okay, we're going to see. We're going to analyze this a little bit more. It's also grama, right? The issue is, it's not his and it is, uh, not direct, right? It's like a causative thing. Um, so we'll see. Shmuel says the Torah made the person who digs a bore Chaya for everything, the foul air inside, certainly the impact. If you're going to say that it's just because he hit the ground, I'll say, I'll say that the Torah never said that the bore has to have a hard floor. The Torah said you dig the pit and, and the animal dies in it, you're going to be chayv even at the, if you put a whole bunch of, uh, right, like a trampoline or some wads of wool at the bottom and it's a soft landing. And if the animal dies, you're still gonna be chayef. So you're chayef for the, for the depth of the bore, irrespective of the, right, um, the hardness of the floor, and therefore you're not gonna be chayef for that. So the question is, my benayu, what would be the nafkamina? Ikebenayu, the avad goyva b'rishos rabim. A practical nafkamina here between Rav and Shmuel is, what if you don't have the hevel? How do you not have hevel? Well, hevel is only in a cavity, right? Uh, what if you build something that's 10 tefachim or more tall and you fall and you die from the impact? There is no cavity. So Rav is going to be chayev because after all, he's only going to be chayev for the hevel. And according to Shmuel, as long as you fall and you have, and, and you get injured by the impact, you're going to be chayev. You're going, right? So it has, so even a, Structure, a tall structure in Rishis Rabin that you fall off of would have the category of bars. So now the Gemara wants to know, where does Rav get this from? My time of the Rav, the Amar Karva Nafal. Aha. The Pasuk says Venafal. The Pasuk didn't say that he hit the ground or he got hurt. It just said it falls. So it's the journey, not the destination, right? As the Gemara says, Right? We learned that the, the Chiv is the whole way down. So that has to be the Hevel in the pit. 
according to Shmuel, it just means falling. Like any matter of falling. It doesn't matter whether it's a pit or off of a building. Fine. So the Gemara is going to challenge Rav. It's going to say it's not. Im kein, lamanem bor. Right? Why does it say bor? Like if it's, if it could also be a building, so then say, right? Say, say a building. Or why are you saying a pit, dafka? So you say, right, so why does it say pit? After all, we had said in our Mishnah, this is a court of our Mishnah, that pit is a sar tfachim. So Mishnah Shmuel, af kol gova. When it says, ma bor just like a bor is ten tfachim, so too. So when we say so too, we mean to include anything that's ten tfachim, whether it's ten tfachim deep or ten tfachim high. But how do you understand the Mishnah's the Afkol according to Rav? Ask the Gemara. La Rav Afkol Asuyimai. Why are you including the Afkol? Asuyim Charitzin Vineitzin to include all the squared off pits and wedge like uh, aforementioned the pits and fissures. However, the Gemara says Charitzin Vineitzin Behedjo Katanilu. But the Mishnah explicitly said Charitzin Vineitzin. So of course that's uh, so, 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 so of course it's going to be high for that. Says the Gemara Tani Vehadam Refarsh. Yeah, that even though it says a uh, pit. It explains it, even though it implies all the pits and fissures also, it explains it as well, just uh, for emphasis, okay? So why Taka does it mention all of these uh, pits and fissures? Why why can't it just say bar? So it says tricha. You do need it. So it has to do with the physics of it. If it had only said a bore, you say, well, that has the foul air because the pit is small and round, so the air stagnates. But a ditch is really long and it's spacious. Maybe ten fucking wouldn't be enough. Maybe there, the air is not stagnant and, it, and you wouldn't be chayev. It teaches you that you would be. But if you only learned a ditch, because it's, it's long, but it's also narrow. Right, but again, it all has to do with the physics of the foul air. The vault is squared off, has a shape that allows for a lot more circulation. Maybe there you won't have vala. If it only said a vault and you said, well, that has foul air, because it has a roof and therefore the air can't escape, so it's not aerated, right? But if you can have a squared off pit, which is not covered, maybe because it has air circulation, that 10 tvachim is not enough. If you only learn the squared off pits, it's squared off have the foul air, because they're not wider on top than on the bottom. And therefore it contains the air better. But when you have the wedge-like pits, meaning wedge-like, like a trapezoid with the base on top, where it's wide on top and the air is just escaping, maybe Tetvachim isn't deep enough to create the hevel that would cause the nezek, kamash malan. The Mishnah therefore teaches you that in all of these cases you're going to be chayev. And therefore, it is that for that reason that we have to mention every case. Now we're at two dots, eight lines up from the bottom of Nunam and Bez. It's not. We learned the Mishnah. Yipchusin masar tefachim v'nafal tzocha shor chamor v'meis pater v'ibuzak b'chayiv. So we said that if you dig it deep enough to injure but not to kill, which is to say less than ten tefachim, you can be chayiv for injury but not for killing. So ask the Gemara. Nafal tzocha shor chamor v'meis pater my taima. Why is why are you going to be pater if it's less than ten tefachim? If the animal indeed uh, after all dies in there, lav mishum deleis lechavata. Wait a minute. Maybe it's because, right, this is a contradiction for Rav and Shmuel, because both of them would say 
that the that that hitting the ground, right? That you're chayev when the when the when it actually causes death. So the Gemara says, "La mishum delays behavala." The reason is because there's no havala. So that's the Gemara. Yachim huzuk b'chayev. So if there's no havala, so why are you chayev for hezek? In other words, if you're not chayev for the misa, why are you chayev for hezek? So the Gemara halays behavala. There's no anything. Again, there's nothing causing hezek. You can only be chayev for hezek if there's a, something that's mazik. That's what, that's where the Machlokas Rabbi Shemuel comes in. What's being mazik? The ground or the foul air? But something has to be mazik. It can't just be nothing. So if there's not enough havala, why are you chayev for anything? Amre ain't havala lemisa v'yeshavala nazikin. It's an unusual case. When you have an excavation that's shallower than 10 fakim, then there is foul air. It's not that there's no foul air. It's just a foul air that's not sufficient for killing, but is sufficient for injuring. It's enough to cause an injury, right? Like, um, like Rahman Aslan, after 9-11, so I used to, you know, I, I was in NYU Orthodontic School then, and I used to work in that area, and you could feel it in the air, you could feel the soot. So some people, Rahman Aslan, died right away, obviously, and some people had like lingering effects. It's, a, it's an awful thing. It's enough to injure, but maybe not enough to kill. So um, you pick up on Shabbos, four lines up from the bottom, with a related story uh, to that effect. Thank you.